0: welcome new guys, new guys. i got two new guys. Todd, you've been to one last year, huh? Did you come last year? No, Todd's new. Sweet. Um, this is a different one. And, uh, I was hoping we have more guys here cause I want your panel to outnumber you guys. Um, but, uh, uh, so let me explain why we're doing a panel. I, I did it in the email, but I want to make sure you guys understand, uh, I wanted a panel to talk about this topic because I want us to to recognize that this is a delicate topic and a topic that requires a lot of nuance, Um, and it's one where we can get into a habit, we can fall into the trap of absolutes. So if you don't do this, you're doing it wrong, or if you do this, you're absolutely doing it wrong. And I think there are some, <laughs> there are some things there, but the, the topic is much more gray than it is black and white. There are some a- things you absolutely should not do, and I think we can all agree on some of those things. Um, but when we get into issues like corporal punishment, timeout, um, talking through things, the various methods of discipline, uh, those are hazy things that can often depend on the particular parent, the particular kid, Um, the history between an individual parent and kid. Like, I might even discipline a kid differently than my wife would because of the relationship that's there. Um, There's just too many variables for me to get up and say, if you are spanking your kid, you are doing it wrong. Or if you are not spanking your kid, you are doing it wrong. So I've already primed the guys that are going to be talking today. Like, you're not going to hear a lot of that today. You're not going to hear, here's what you absolutely need to be doing because I don't think that exists. Um what I want to focus on is principles. How do we, what principles do we put in place to govern how we do this thing? That's going to carry us farther through the baby stages. You guys got, we got some baby stage guys and soon to be more baby stage guys. Uh, and then we've got the guys with teens. That's like, all right, so what does this look like when some of these other things I've been doing aren't really feasible anymore? Um, so I, I picked three specific guys for a reason to come up and talk to us. i grab my phone because it has my questions on it. Um, and I'll intro you guys and you can walk up one at a time like celebrities, like the rock stars you are. Um, so the first uh, – when I knew I wanted to talk about this topic, the first person I was like, I absolutely need this person on the panel was Brian Rabosky. Uh He was my number one draft pick. No offense to the other guys. Um, uh, and I will tell you why. Uh, so Brian – Brian's been working in... How long have you guys been fostering kiddos? Um, I stopped counting years. Like, right after Hurricane Katrina. Okay, so about 17 years now. 16, 17 years. Um, and one interesting thing about foster care, so Angel and I, my wife and I, are, are starting this process ourselves, is that you can't use corporal punishment when you do foster care. It is not allowed. Um... And so if you have been doing that, you need to figure out new ways of discipline. Uh, there's also a lot of training emphasis in the foster care world about how to take into account a kid's experience as you, as you discipline and as you help them to grow. Um, to realize that kids come from hard places sometimes and that we need to, we need to help them to grow in ways that uh, understand that while not using it to exclude or excuse their sin – understanding their background in a way that helps us to parent them more effectively. So that is why Brian is here because um, he knows a lot about that stuff. Uh, Ronnie Sloan is next. Uh, I did tell you you were coming, right, Ronnie? Uh, <laughs> uh, Ronnie, you can come up because I said your name. Um, Ronnie I picked because, hey, he's a military guy, right? So there we go. He sounds like that, and I can't even sound like that, and I have a degree in being loud. Um, uh, Ronnie. Uh, is a part of... He's a dad in a blended family. So Ronnie's got two girls, that he became their functional dad when they were teens. Yeah. And so how do we, in blended families, uh, implement discipline? And Not even that. How do we discipline in light of the difficulties and the, the nuance that's required in that situation, even as we parent our own kids from our non-blended families? How do I understand what it's going to be like. I mean, I'll be, I'll have a teenage girl in just like a year and a half. How do I know what it's like to discipline a teenage girl? Um, in a way that's probably not that different from how it is when you've got, uh, a blended family situation. So that's why Ronnie's here. Uh, I want to hear his insight on that stuff. Uh, and then Mike, Mike Pell is here. Um, and I, I thought about asking Mike to just teach this, but then I'm, he pushed back and I think that was wise. Um, Ooh, speaking of gentleness there. Um, uh, I got Mike here because I've talked to Mike a decent bit about discipline. And one of the things that, that Justin talks about in this book, and we'll get to it, is the idea that discipline doesn't just discipline our kids, but it disciplines us. And I have heard Mike's contrition and his um, understanding of how he's grown and changed as a dad, as a man, um, as a discipliner, if you will, uh, and learned from his mistakes and from his successes in a way to kind of – because he had two boys and then two girls a little bit farther down the line. Not super far, but enough to have had a, a little bit of a, a time to stop and think and reassess some things. So uh, I've just really enjoyed hearing Mike talk about that because uh, the last thing I want is somebody to get up here and tell me I know how to do everything Right. Um, <laughs> I don't think any of us really believe that we know how to do everything right. So uh, I wanted Mike because I've heard from him as well as anybody the recognition of, hey, I've made some missteps in a, a few areas. I want to, you know, you know, a smart man learns from his mistakes. A wise man learns from other, other people's mistakes. So let's learn from Mike's mistakes uh, <laughs> and all of our mistakes, really. So um, anyway, so that's your crew. Um, and I think instead of table discussions tonight – Today we may just do like Q&A. So I'll, if you guys have situational questions, um, I'm going to ask lots of questions and then I might actually go sit with you guys and actually be one of like the dads down there who can't figure this thing out either. Um, this is probably the, my hardest area as a dad right now. We're seeing some fruit, but the last few months for us have just been really hard. Like how do we do this thing? Are they listening? Are they, is there like brain functionality going on up there? Like are they hearing me? Um so anyway, so that's our crew. That's our, our layout for the day. I want to start by asking you guys, and we can just go down the line, um, what what did discipline look like for you guys as kids? Um, how were you disciplined? Um, who did it? What did it look like? And then uh, what did it work? Like how, you know, what, what were the effects of that style of discipline? You can start, yeah. I can
1: start. Uh, for me, um, discipline... Most often was my dad, almost all the time. Um, especially as I can you know, was older and old enough to really remember it. Might have been my mom when I was younger, um, but kind of being raised with two other brothers, we pretty quickly got to the point where um, you know when when mom hit us, it didn't really hurt, and she learned that. So it was kind of wait till your dad gets home. So we kind of had the the combination of the dread all day of waiting until dad got home. And then when dad got home, the belt came out. So um, that's kind of what it looked like for us. My dad had a belt that he kept on top of the refrigerator. And when dad got home, we kind of knew, all right, what did you do? You know, that wasn't right, right? Now you know what I got to do. And, you know, out came the belt. And that was kind of the end of it. So did it work? I would say for, for me more than my two brothers, it worked in terms of kind of um, – Control and behavior. Um, so it, it got me. I was more fearful of the belt than my brothers were, so I didn't get it quite as much. So I guess in some sense, I kind of grew up thinking, okay, that kind of worked because it, it got me to stop doing some of the things that I was doing. Um, but as I thought about it more later, it didn't really get to any of the hard issues that I was dealing with. So what it really kind of led to was it looked better to my dad, but I got better at hiding stuff, so I didn't get found out as much. Um so I think for me, in that sense, as a kid, I, I felt like, you know, it, it worked for me. But looking at it from a dad perspective later and, and how do I deal with my kids, I, I realized it didn't deal with my heart issues. And it just made me kind of bury stuff and and kind of come to a point where I don't want my kids to do that. Because if I can't see it, then we can't really work through it together. That's good.
2: For me, um, child of the 50s and the 60s, five years between me and my I'm the oldest and my brother, um, mom always did the discipline. Dad was similar. Um, when he came home every day, came home around five. Uh, but dad was different on the discipline. Um, he wouldn't come in immediately and attack it. He'd wait till you get in the bathtub and, uh, catch you buck naked. And, uh, the door would swing open, but you already knew something was coming. Um, I, I would have to say I, I grew up in a neighborhood where no matter where you were, you were disciplined, okay? okay the, the village raised a child type thing. They would send you home. If you screwed up somewhere else, they would send you home. Mom would whip you, and then, you know, depending on the magnitude of things, Dad would get you when he got home. I got very little whippings from my dad, but I'm also, and I'm not sure, I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody... Uh, sometimes you had to go and get the switch type thing to be whipped with. And, you know, you learn quickly that little thing you brought is not going to do it. You know, you got to go back out there and find a bigger switch. Dad always used a belt. Um, But it it was about, for me, I wanted to please my parents. My parents, I I knew they loved me. Again, I had five years, just me, but I – I, I knew they loved me, and if I did something worth being spanked, it was something that I shouldn't do. So um, I asked my mom about this. It, I didn't repeat a lot of offenses. And a lot of times um, it was that group thing, you know, uh, you get together with the friends or something, you do something you shouldn't be doing. Uh, and, and so you guess that parent or somebody that actually saw you They'd send you home. They'd already called your house, you know, type thing. Because my mom uh, did not; she was always home when we left. She was always home when we got home, you know. As older, when we got into school, so she worked in between, if you will. And uh, so the discipline was uh, was always pointing out what was wrong, why you know, and asked maybe why you did that. And many times you had no clue except for. Because Mike did it, you know, and um, not you, Mike, but I did have a friend, Mike. <laughs> yeah, Mike, because Mike.
0: But Mike would have been that guy. Mike would have
2: been that guy, so, because Mike did it. And and, and I learned later about the heart piece because uh, we were raised in a Christian household, so Sunday school and things like that. Once you start in elementary school and you start going to uh, church, we understood uh, about uh, the right and wrong, not doing things. so discipline was not extremely heavy. However, I will share this. my brother, uh, my aunt gave him a nickname of Satan. So you know, I mean, because my brother was a terror and right now he's a missionary over in Uganda, but <laughs> my brother was a terror and got whipped twice as much as I did. you know, so
0: to be fair to your brother, the Apostle Peter also got that nickname once. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, your dad was a pastor, right? Mine? No, my dad was He's, a pastor. He was a, he was a
2: trustee, and okay. it was a Methodist uh, church, so he was a leader in the church.
0: Brian, were your parents believers? No. And Mike, your parents weren't believers, right? Okay. Uh, all right, Mike, what about you? Uh,
3: very similar to both of these guys. Uh, anybody in the neighborhood could get a small piece of you, and then yeah. you'd go home, and, and your parents got all of it. Yeah. Uh, Catholic school, my whole life. So the Board of Education at Christian Brothers, right, or nerve pinches or whatever. But it wasn't ever, like, malicious, right? It was, hey, get your head out of your hootie poot, and, you know, this is what's going on, and, and tighten yep. up. <clears throat> I think the discipline at home, the belt, and uh, that sort of stuff, it was just a different time, man. My mom, yeah. I'll never forget, my mom went to go slap me for being disrespectful. I turned my head, and she hit my ear, it ruptured my eardrum, and she felt sick. I mean, to this day, she would be embarrassed I'd talk about it, so. But it, I turned my head right when I knew the slap was coming and I went to the doctor and I'll never forget. He said, what the hell did you do? <laughs> right. These days it'd be mandatory reporting. Right. This yeah. old Jewish doctor's like, Marie, I'm so sorry. What did he do? So, um, you know, my whole my whole discipline, I mean, aunts and uncles yeah. would do it. And I was the one that they called that. But I, I wasn't malicious. I just wasn't thinking. I was just all over the map and doing stuff and, you know, and, uh, and, but I got a bad reputation that persists to this day with aunts and uncles, right. One in particular. Uh, so I got, I got it a lot, right. Yelled at and, and hit with the belt or, uh, aunts and uncles would be more maybe a a punch or something or, you know, something like that. So it was just, it was just different. Um,
0: so uh, Brian, you touched on this, uh, Looking back on that, were there things that you said, I absolutely will do this same thing as my parents with my kids, or I absolutely will not do this with my kids? Was there anything that that looking at your parents' parenting, and and specifically in the realm of discipline, made you say, yep, I need to do that, or no, I'm never going to do that?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say that there was anything that I said I definitely will do, um, but I'd did definitely say we're not going to be doing this, you know, big leather belt thing with the kids. So that's not to say that especially in the early days we didn't do some spanking, but it was never like it was for me at home as a kid with, you know, fear in the belt. You know, so it was, it was much gentler, more involved process than that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'll have to answer, but if you have just the
2: thoughts. Not- well, one of the things a part of our Family structure, our household, and how things were done. Um, expectations were set up front, right? And I thought, you know, that's something that I would do and still do. Setting the expectations up front because otherwise you get default, and default may not be exactly what you expected. So now you got to deal with it. Right. I call it you going fishing then because you got to reel it back in. So setting the expectations up front was extremely important in our household, uh, taking us. As kids, or me as a kid, to the mall, and you know, here's what we going. We go going shopping, this, any other, and you know, it, it's, it's by telling me what we, what was my, what I was expected to do. I was a pretty good kid with that, you know, and I would not want to embarrass my mom, or I yeah. didn't want the whipping or something like that.
0: Yeah, I, it's that expectation piece. I think is important because. It's hard to hold your – I don't even that, know that it's just to hold your kid accountable for mm-hmm. things that they don't know that you expected them. Right. Um, within reason, you, you build like a think a framework of expectations for them over time. There are times – you ever had times when like your kid does something and you're like, that was a kind of stupid that I wasn't even prepared to tell yeah, you not yeah. to do? Yeah. Like I just didn't think of that as something you had to be warned against. I think of when my sister when her girls were little. They'd get out of the van – at like, the grocery store and put their hands on the van just so they were safe and not running out in the parking lot This thing, and I remember telling a story about coming around and, and I think it was Sam uh, is licking the side of the van and she was like I just <laughs> never thought I would just say don't lick the van right uh, there's expectation I pieces like, you gotta do yeah. as best you can you know yeah. Yeah. Um, Mike kids, you have
2: anything on that can't set them all yeah, yeah so.
0: No, so Ellen and I were reacting
3: like we were living together got pregnant right boom Then we just got married Baja. boom pregnant again right And she was working night shift. I was working day shift. So we were reacting to everything. There was very little planning or thought into how we were doing it. So we did it the way
0: that we were raised. Right, yeah. How old are you guys, by the way?
1: 53.
0: 66. 50. Okay. So you guys, I mean, Brian and and Mike, especially, y'all are on the, maybe even, like, I might be the very tail end of the generation of the transition between my parents did it this way. And, that, and I came out okay or that worked for me, yeah. so I'm going to do it with my kids. Nowadays, there's a more of a trend of my parents did this and I will never do that. You right. just see that shift happening. I think I'm right in that. 40 or so is – I'm um, 42 is where the, that switch, you know, so the 1980s, the Gen Xers when they started to be like, I'm not going to be like my parents. You know, I'm yeah. going to be my own thing. Um, all right. Uh, so now I want to move into some of the stuff from the book. Um, Discipleship, like, like Justin says, discipline and discipling, you don't need to be like a linguistics scholar to put those things together. So you talked about this a little bit, Brian. Um, the, the goal of discipline, of behavior modification versus discipling the heart, um, how does that inform, hey Dan, uh, how does that inform the way that you guys have implemented discipline with your kids?
1: Hold up a few notes as a few That's things. Fun. I just want to try and stay on track a little bit. A little bit too yeah. much, just so I don't yeah. ramble and kind of get off topic. But um, so, I guess I would say I probably don't think about it as much as I would like to. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, I think, right now is good timing for me, just with where I am with some things right now and um, the discipleship stuff this summer and um, Keith's humility message. Um, So I think that's kind of a big part of what, you know, God's trying to do in this, um, in me, you know, in this season right now. So um, I guess big thing is my notes going haywire here. I somehow, yeah, somehow. So I don't know. I might have just wiped out all my notes. I'm not (laughs) sure. (laughs) Um, But so, I guess I want to keep more in continually in front of my mind that this is a process. It is about discipleship and not, um, this discipline is something that's somehow separated from the rest of life and the rest of, you know, walking out life with our kids and our family. And, um, just remembering that and the end goal is, is that discipleship kind of pointing them towards Christ. It's not about making sure they understand that was wrong and there's a consequence. And that's part of it. And we talked about that in the chapter, right? But, that's not the biggest part of it, right? The biggest part of it is realizing that, you know, the same way God's walking with me through this thing and, and, and shaping and pointing. So, learning to try and see the end goal is pointing them towards God and and understanding this in that context. Right. So hope that helps.
2: Um, The whole thing about the book is great and, and sheds lights, light on some things that, may have been thoughts may not have been thoughts but it does bring it to the surface so thanks for the the book in, in general but the image bearer piece is what, yeah. what what hit me with that discipline and discipleship and um, as I reflect again my dad was an authority figure and it wasn't never about his you know uh, embarrassing him or anything like that but I think looking back and based on reading in the book, he was probably attempting to disciple us, but there was a way of discipline at that time that could interfere with that. And mom, usually that was enough for mom to discipline you. But if dad had to get to the, to the point of discipline you, (laughs) then it was the magnitude of whatever was done. Yeah. So the, the, the discipline versus discipleship, um, I see it now, and I'm, I'm like Brian. I'm thinking, oh, okay, that is the best way to kind of look at this. And it's not about, always about them. It's about the Lord working on me yeah. at that point in time and how I may react to, uh, to things. But the image-bearer piece is what, what spoke to me. Yeah.
3: What was the question again? Exactly.
0: Uh, the link in your mind and, how, and your practice between discipleship and discipline.
3: Okay. Yeah. So, in my mind today. Yeah. Okay.
0: So I agree. And, and maybe how you done. We're going to talk about how yeah, you've yeah, actually. Yeah. So I agree. Something.
3: I agree yeah. with the 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 one sentence in the book that really stuck out to me again was the gap between what I want and what they need. Yes. Right. That was the the big gap. And and so when I talk to other people about it privately about this, what I say now is, I feel like I transitioned from this to. And that's been a really healthy, good transition, right? At every age for every kid, um, and I think that's the. If you want to live this life, if you want Christ, if you want this, if you want it to go well with you, if you want the promises to come true for you, right? That that you own as and in Christ, then this is how it goes, right? Yeah. Um, but just last night we had a thing with one of the kids, where it was, my wife is reasoning, and I'm like, that's so well done. And the kid says, "I don't care. That's stupid." <laughs> and so, which kid? No, so, no, no, so joking, I came I'm in. Joking. So I came in and I backed up, mom, and I said, "Hey, look, look. This is sense. This is adulting. Welcome to adulting. This is adulting. You're leaving in X amount of years, right? You need to know this. This is how this works, right? This is it." And she said, "I don't care. I just think it's dumb, and I think blah 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 blah." And I said, "Okay, cool. We're done with that. Now it's a command. You will." go do whatever, because when you fail to see reason, I'm still, your covering you now it's a command. So say yes, sir, to me and tell me that you understand this is what's going to happen. And I'm going to check to make sure it happened. I thought I wouldn't have to do that anymore. And I think that's the part where i most often screwed up is like, I made sense to you and you're giving me the double bird, right? Yeah. And now I'm mad. And it was really good, right? Because it was just like, no, you know what? I'm just going to give you the command and we'll deal with what happens if you don't, if you don't do the command. I'm not going like, to try to break you to my will. Like, you know, right. I'm just going to do this. And I think that's been the, the big change. Like You're responsible for your actions. You're going to do this, and I'm going to hold you accountable for them. I'm not going to like control the outcome. Yeah, it's like that, right?
0: that, that shift from like when they're babies to when they're teens mm-hmm. of you're always an authority, but you're moving more from like authoritarian to influencer yes. in their lives. Well, you try. You try to, <laughs> yeah. but every once in a while it's like, I still need to grab this because I still am your authority. I still am... Responsible for you as much as you're growing in responsibility for yourself, you know? Uh, Ronnie, I love what you said about the image bearer thing too. My wife and I were just talking about this yesterday or two days ago as we were, as I was talking about this topic in the panel, just the idea that like my kids are image bearers and it's so easy for us to think of them as extensions of ourselves. Yeah. And we think about the things that they do, like this kid's sin problem, this area Uh, We think about it in light of how it affects us instead of how it affects them as an individual image bearer who, you know, hopefully, ideally, will be here long after I'm dead and gone. It's like, no, you're a person, and and I need to parent you like a person, like a human being who
1: bears the image of God, you know? Um, I was just going to say that's really good, and it's important to not forget. It's really easy to kind of think about how that impacts us and our thoughts or how other people look at us or whatever, but Mm -hmm. just realize I think – most of you guys I'm looking at here have more than one kid, so you know they're not all the same, right? No. Yeah. And as much as we want people to treat us like people, sometimes mm-hmm. it's easy to forget that with our kids when we're like Mike was talking about because we want this outcome and we're not really thinking about that right. per se. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Just um, my daughters are 39, not married. I've said this before, but they'll throw this in my face all the time, and it's not you know anything bad, but they'll say. Uh, you are um, they still come under my headship because they're not married. And, you know, they, they say that. And that draws me back into reality <laughs> real quick sometimes because I don't always think about it that way. But yeah. uh, that whole image bearing and they still count on things that they're still looking to me as a model Right. Even at thirty nine. And I I enjoy that. But they'll throw that headship thing out. And one thing uh, two weeks ago, I think it was uh, one of your daughters. I don't know which one because I wasn't even there. But Celeste says, I saw Mike spend some time with his daughter somewhere in this church. uh, And I don't know what was going on, but she had tears in her eyes and you came to her and the loving. That's what Celeste was was telling me how you lovingly came to your daughter, possibly in a time of need. She didn't know what was going on, but I'm just sharing that with you because awesome. uh, she saw that.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, side piece on this is I, I feel like we can all have the same tendency to do this with our spouses as well. We view their struggles, and this was a game changer for me uh, in terms of marriage, was realizing that like my, wife's, my wife is a person. She's not my wife, specifically. <laughs> um, She's first an image bearer and yeah. when she's struggling with a sin issue that affects me its effect on me is not primary and she's probably more frustrated with it than i am And she's being like when i make this about me i make her about me instead of making her about her and her walk uh with the lord and her own growth and sanctification so that's free it has nothing to do with parenting um except <laughs> probably a, a lot to do with parenting um so brian you mentioned that you have spanked your kids i just want Nothing these gentlemen are about to say here – I'm going to say this again – is a mandate or a prohibition. <laughs> um, they are not – because they're probably going to differ on some of these things. And that's why there's more than one of us here. Um, how do you discipline your kids? How have you disciplined your kids? How has that changed over time?
1: I, I think, as Nick said earlier, I think uh, some of this started to shift for us as we were uh, foster parents. Um, like I said we tried to do it I would say lovingly and and mean, just like the rest of, of everybody else and never did any of it perfectly at any stage um, but we're forced in a way to rethink some of that more so when we started having you know foster kids in the home and and weren't allowed to spank them and all um, so it kind of forced us to reevaluate that you know whether we you know wanted to or not um, and for us it was a good thing because it really made us kind of You know, think about not just some new ways to kind of help, you know, walk them through that, um, but also kind of gave us some different perspective over the years of seeing it happen. So, you know, as Nick said, since, you know, 2006 or so, um, you know, it's been a lot of kids over the years. So, um, anyway, so... I guess we kind of transitioned from that model of, you know, okay, let's, you know, whenever possible, try and get them in a private spot, kind of sit them on the lap and, and sit down and talk through this and, and sometimes involve the spanking, sometimes didn't, um, transitioning more to kind of, all right, let me let me see if I can first figure out what the need is here, um, which is something that I, I totally didn't really do in the early days. Terry was probably better at this than me, which... True, generally, in life. Generally but, uh, um, so I didn't really see that. But with, especially with these kids coming in with all kind of different broken needs and just, you know, they're all so different, so much stuff that we didn't have a clue what was going on, it kind of became more readily apparent that, hey, before I try and address this tantrum or the scream, whatever's going on, let's see if we can figure out what it is that this child needs right now you know, more than what I want, like some peace and quiet. Um, and so that kind of transitioned us into kind of, all right, let me see if I can kind of pause and listen here, trying to evaluate what's going on and see if we can meet needs. So um, part of that was um, was uh, here's a good example was um, this was much later, but came into play some with the foster kids, but a lot with Bree, because she kind of had some some special needs, some health issues and stuff. Um, but some realize that sometimes the kids aren't physically capable of behaving like, uh, for instance, with Bree. A lot of times it was a food issue. If she hadn't you know had enough food, um, she could you know go off the deep end real quick, and it could get you know real ugly real fast. And I'm thinking like, what happened? You know, this kid was just fine a minute ago. What happened in that split second that sent her from this smiling, happy little kid to off the deep end, and we can't rein her in? And some, you know, we had to learn over time that. This kid hasn't eaten in three or four hours. Like she needs, you know, some steady diet. She needs to have water. She needs to be hydrated. She needs to have food. So, you know, just being aware of things like that—that that we all need. Like, I mean, who doesn't get grumpy you know, if you miss lunch and all of a sudden it's four o'clock and you haven't eaten anything since six o'clock it, in the morning? It makes
0: you feel so stupid when you think about that and realize that it took you time to figure that out. Like that's yeah. the same thing. It's like, oh, right. yeah. I know what I like. I get hangry. (laughs) Absolutely. If you haven't eaten and it's been a few hours
1: and now you're like grumpy, okay. (laughs) like You're a person. You're right. It should be a normal thought, but it wasn't obvious to me. Right? So hopefully that will help somebody else too. That's good. Um, But part of it too, I think, and this was – just being more aware. He talked a little bit. I don't know if you guys, uh, if you don't have kids that have had trauma, may not have recognized some of his kind of subtle language about upstairs brain and things like that. But that's kind of getting to the heart of that. So when kids get in that mode, it kind of puts them in another spot where they're like physically not capable. Their brain can kind of go into this fight or flight response. And it's not just foster kids. It could You know, any of us can deal with that. So, like, the food issue is is just a human thing, right? So just to say that sometimes their bodies and their minds can get in this state where you know that that kid is capable of understanding what you're saying, but maybe in that moment they're not because they're in this fight-or-flight mode and they're hearing the words, but they're not really hearing you. You know, it's not really connecting. Um, And so some of it is getting them what they need to be able to get in a spot where you can have that discussion and kind of help them get to the next stage. So that might be making sure they have um, some food. It might be making sure they have some some water. Sometimes if you've got not just younger kids, but especially with younger kids having a little cup with like a straw on it that they can suck on because even just that sucking motion for them is kind of calming like, you know, babies with pacifiers and things like that. So just little things like that that could kind of help them calm down, get out of that fight or flight and relax a little bit so that you guys can kind of move on. It doesn't necessarily need to be a discipline thing, like in, you know, a a correction, I would say kind of thing as much as let me just help them get what they need so they're not just out of sorts and and it takes care of itself. It's not a matter of, hey, let me tell you why that was wrong. It's just let me help you get your needs met so you're not, your body and your mind aren't out of whack kind of thing. And so sometimes um, even something as simple as not, Matching them and and kind of reacting to their big reaction, and just whispering kind of makes them oddly enough kind of forces them to kind of focus in a little bit different way, and can kind of snap them out of it sometimes. So sometimes just some little things like that to not really try and correct, but just recognize that oh maybe I missed this clue, but here let's try and, and kind of fix that.
0: It's like they talk about like the fire triangle of like heat, fuel, and oxygen. Sometimes it's a matter instead of like bringing something into the situation. Like I had I had one kid who was an epic tantrumer. And instead of fighting fire with fire, sometimes you just like you try to suck as much energy out of the situation as possible. Be like, I'm I love you too much to fight with you about this right now. You know, that could be huge. Um what are you, Ronnie? How how have you done discipline as you came into these girls' lives? How old were they when, when you they married were, Celeste?
2: They were fourteen. Okay. That's um, a thought. Discipline was always Celeste's deal. Ronnie yeah. could uh, give them a look, um, you know, a look of disappointment. Um, I, I don't think I've ever used the term, and they can verify. I don't think I've ever said I'm disappointed in you, actually said the words. Uh, probably had a look, but th- that's that was a part of it also. Um, the presence and what the household stands for. I think it, it was was an important piece to me. I have nieces and nephews that I, were, I was around, and they would get away with things or try to do things behind their parents back, back and, and Uncle Ronnie was not the discipline to her. But I would give them that look or tell them, you know, you know that ain't what you're supposed to be doing, right? And 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 they would snap out of it really quickly. But you're right about the trauma-induced piece to it. I think. My girls, there was a certain amount of trauma. It wasn't negative trauma, but being raised by a single parent all that time uh, and not knowing where ends were going to meet, there was there was some roughness in the life during that time. So, uh, And they were always first for Celeste. So she was highly disappointed when they did some things. And, and I remember when we were dating, her and Diane got into it, and they were standing in the garage and, and I came over and I'm walking up to them and all of a sudden the mood changed and 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 there was no fight between the two of them and they kind of went to their separate corners and I had no clue what was going on. But <laughs> the point is, is I showed up and it was done. And so the girls would always look at it like that. If, if dad's disappointed in you, um, one – one quick funny one was about Diane and her prayer life. Um, she was praying, I don't know, maybe for for grace over dinner or something one time. And I, later on I said, you know, that prayer has never changed. And that killed her because she was praying the same prayer all the time. My expectation is that's a five, six, seven-year-old prayer. And you're still praying, you know. And I, that's all I said. But she'll tell you today that that like cut her to the core, and she had to think about what am I doing in my prayer life, and it it made her refocus, if you will. But you know, I was, you know, I was just being Ronnie. You know, that's yeah. the same prayer. Yeah. You know, and I just walked away. So. Bye.
3: Yeah, so for me what really came to me about this, I, I said this in a men's group a while back with some guys. I said, My boys had a different dad than my girls have. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> and so and the scripture that, that I'm always reminded of, and the Lord's reminded me of it right here, just now, was um, and now can't where where a man lacks vision who'll be unrestrained, yeah. right? And and so for discipline, right, my encouragement to all of you, right, and to myself, is you don't begin a business or a venture or anything else without a plan, right? right? So we shouldn't even think about touching our kids unless we have a plan, right? That's I mean, you, you, if you didn't think about it before it happened because it's coming, right? You're going on this trip. You're going to pack for the trip. You're going to plan for the trip. With the boys, Ellen and I were very reactive. The very first book somebody gave us on discipline was Shepherding a Child's Heart, which was pretty much beat their butt like a drum for every infraction. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. I'm sure that wasn't his intention, but literally before my boys left home, they wanted to know why were you and mom so angry with us, ah. right? It was painful, right? It was painful. So with the girls, I couldn't bring myself to spank the girls, right? I just Dude. so for them it was verbal, but it was still very harsh because yeah. I was reacting right to a lot of stuff, and uh, but. You know, again, with the with the boys now, as they went through college and stuff, it's been a lot better. You have more vision of. I want you to be a healthy man, uh, uh, a right man. I need to repent where I need to repent, right from from the spanking stuff, and I have on my knees. Um, It's coaching, right? It's developing the person. It's it's doing. I need you to own it. I need you to make the decision, and then I need you to own the consequences, right? And so. For, for, I didn't have any vision before. I have more vision now. I hope to have a hell of a lot more by the time I have grandkids. Um, but the, the the big thing is, I heard a coach say this once, listen to me with your eyes. He said this to the baseball team. And I was like, that's good. Yeah. And so I think with the kids, it's listen to me with your eyes. So you, do you hear me? Do you see me? Right? And he said this in this book too. Yeah. I see you. Do you see me? Like I see your Sin. I see your foolishness. I see your rebellion. I see your—you're worried that I'm disappointed. Like I acknowledge all this is going on, and this is true, right? And this is the truth. And I'm telling you to whether whether you like it or not. And I hope you see it. Right. This is true, right? Yeah. And getting out of the house has been helpful too. So when I had to have my big talks, you know, like with the boys, the boys told me you did terrible in the little things, right? <laughs> You did terrible in the little things, but the first time you caught me looking at porn, I thought you were gonna like smash the computer over my head. And instead, you took me for a walk. And the first time I, uh, you caught me taking too long in the bathroom, right? Right. You said, "Hey, bud, let's, let's go for a walk. Right? Let's let's talk about it, um, girl stuff." Right. And I think that's just the grace of God that the big things that they thought this is a nuclear option, Dad's gonna burn it down, was more like, man, I get.
2: I totally get
3: that, right? Let's go talk about – and and as an encouragement, the sweetest thing with my boys was this. When I took them to talk about these big things and we got done sitting on the levee kind of just looking out at the lake and and talking about it, when we got up, they hugged me. And I had to tighten them up, but I had to tell them about it, and I had to tell them scripturally this is what that is and what it looks like. They hugged me. I'm like, Thanks, Dad. And to this day, they're, they're grateful for that. Yeah. That's good. Right? So for the girls, I think, you know, we try to do more of that. But the difference, I think, with girls is moms and girls have the tangle. Yeah. Right? And as a dad, the, the challenge in disciplining daughters when they're in the tangle with the wife is when you enter this fray, one girl's going to be mad at you. <laughs> is it the one you sleep next to? Yes. Or is it the other one? Yes. And, and I mean, I'm saying, cause you're trying to parse, look, I mean, I see her point.
0: Someone's going to have to talk about this in therapy. <laughs> Am I going to have to be there or not? Is the question. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I'm like, I, I got to tell you the truth. Like I'm not involved in this. I'm looking at this. Yeah. I love you both. And here's the thing. So with the girls, it's, it's been a little more different than that, where some of my discipline talking to goes through, Hey L, um, I know you all have these heart talks, these big, long talks, right? Might I recommend right, yeah. this, right? Because, ugh. And she's like, okay, okay. Right. You know, not abdicating my role, right? Because I took the girls on a daddy-daughter trip yeah. recently. I've never done that. Highly recommend it. um, And it was it was rich. Yeah. Right? And it was good, and it was safe and fun and and you know all that and 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 the correction that i had to do along the way was they couldn't turn around and go mom dad they were like it's just me and you and i was like yeah we're having the talk so yeah you know whatever so yeah i mean the vision thing i would say is a huge thing i had no business raising my kids without a I thought about these things. I pondered and spent time on the biggest investment I'm ever going to make.
0: Right. I, and I think that touched something that Ronnie said as well. Um, I like the business model kind of metaphor there. And you wouldn't write a business metaf- business model with, like, one page. It's like corrective action, right? You, you would. And I think we're talking about, like, those quote-unquote discipline moments, the moments we were spanked or the timeouts or whatever those things were for us or, or for our kids. Um, but that's such a small part of discipline. And that's where I think that discipline discipling thing there, it's like, man, I need to be an influence over you all the time so that you know where this is coming from when things do come to a head. And also what you said, Ronnie, this sort of like team element. Like this is one of the things that we're working really hard with our kids on trying to, trying to communicate. And I think it's going to help us in some ways when we have a foster kid in the house. Um, it's like, hey, we're all part of a team on a mission together. Is what you're doing right now furthering the mission, or is it furthering what you want? Um, and can I help you figure out your place in the mission here? And let's get in let's get in the same direction again, because that's uh, that's huge. I mean, it, when you're all pulling against each other, you know. Because um, I mean, my littlest member of my family is the biggest personality in my family, and he. He can set the tone for the entire house real quick. Um, and sometimes that's great. Sometimes it is exactly what we need. But sometimes I need him to be like, all right, bud, I need you part of the team here because I need you working with us in that regard, you know? Um, on For those of you who have the book, uh, on page 73, Justin starts this kind of bright orange section. Uh, I love the orange in this book, by the way. Um, these kind of wrong instincts. Um, and and our reactions to them. So they're doing this on purpose, and then we respond with anger directed at them. This is an insult to me personally. Responded with bitterness and revenge. There's nothing wrong. They mean the best. We dismiss and ignore. They just misunderstood. They can be reasoned with. The problem is education. So we respond with useless words. Um, some of y'all. How many of y'all felt personally attacked in some of these? Um, I want them to feel pain and shame for what they've done. Then they'll learn. So we respond with revenge or abuse. I'm frustrated and exhausted. I need to assert control to get the right result as fast as possible. Uh, Then we do the impatient behavior management thing. Uh, I could do this right if it weren't at this moment. This moment is really inconvenient. (laughs) Uh, This happens more the more kids you have. Uh, Then you abdicate the role entirely. And the last one he has, and there are others, Um, I'm embarrassed and I need to manage my reputation here. And we respond with self-conscious behavior management, uh, for you guys, any of those jump out at y'all as dads, like what are your, what your tendencies? I know mine. Um, but what are you guys tendencies? Where do your instincts go? Haywire in these?
1: Yeah. So maybe it's probably best if I first say, I think I can relate to all of those things, but, um, truth There's probably some truth to all of that. And a little bit in all of us, but, um, the first things that came to mind for me or the, um, those first two, like you did it on purpose and, and you did it as a personal assault to me personally. Um, uh, So, yeah, God's been kind of dealing with me and, and some of that lately and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, making some of that stuff, not about me, right. The whole process is about me as well. I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more in God discipling us, but that part of it, my part in, helping you to see what's going on, you know, with that event and why you did that and what's going on in your heart. That part of it's not really about me as much as it is trying to help you see you and help you see God and, and that relationship. So, um, I could relate to that and the, the reaction that I have when something something happens and it doesn't go the way that I want. And you did that again, or you did that, you know, to make sure that, that, you know, I felt a certain way or you got a certain reaction from me or whatever. Um, you know, God's been dealing with me and I need to not make that about about me. So that's um, because it does kind of lead me to, to let me try and fix that or I'll show you. <laughs> you're going to do that to me. Here's what I'm going to do to you. That's the thing that I, I don't want in me, right? That's, right? Because that's not when I've failed in those areas, I've reacted in that way. And you guys can probably relate to this if you've done the same thing what doesn't come is that important reconciliation process that True. Justin talked about in the book. So if, if I see, you know, someone walking away dejected or, you know, downcast and, you know, I know I didn't do that right. And, right and, and sadly for me, I've spent way too much time over the years kind of justifying why it was okay for me to be yeah. angry, you know, fainting you know righteous anger but it was really more just about my sin um so you know just being real it's like i'm trying to to listen to him better and and see and you know from that reaction if it's not that hug that and the smile or the wink that that justin was talking about and it's the i i'm looking down or i'm kind of slumped over then then i didn't do something right there and we got to got to fix that yeah so
3: I'm with you. The first two, big for me. Uh, and I read a book on uh, on men in anger, and they one of the things he said is the biggest issue you have is the ascribing of motives, mm-hmm. right? It's a narrative. That person cut me off. Maybe, maybe they really did miss their turn and they just cut me off, right? Like you did every time. You, <laughs> right, 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 never, right, You right, never right. did it because you're a turn. Or they, or they were just such a jerk. They got stuck in the middle and they blocked me for two cycles of the light or whatever, right? Because yes. the next person <laughs> did too. You know, and, and I think what's helpful, right, when I remember this, is to eliminate the conditions under which I will act biblically. That's good. If only you you all would just, if everybody would just, yes. if we could just leave on the trip on time, if, if I could just come home from work one day and not have you in my ear about everything they did, and now they must pay, fine, everybody's going to pay. Right, that sucks, right? That's yeah. terrible. And eliminating the condition under which I will act like a Christian, I think, for me, is huge. i got to take that away. Nobody is ever just this side of heaven. I don't get to come home from work and I don't have a blank check to have my day because I had a rough day at work. It better be good at home. What an unrealistic, sinful expectation, <laughs> right? And I think that, that attitude then lends itself to, you knew that. you just this was going to tick me off. So, right. And that's just terrible. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so those, you know, those, the ascribing of those that has really helped to say, and the other thing is I would just let it slide, let it slide. Right. A little yeah. stuff like that's just, he overlooks trans trans No, 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 dude, you're parenting. Forget that. Get it now. Nip it now. Right. Yeah. And just say, Hey bud, you need to stop. Here's why. Right. You've been warned. You've been told you need to stop. Um, and, and, Instead of letting it get to the point where you're like, that's it. Because that's the other thing, right? Yeah. And um, so anyway, those those are some of the, the – I don't even remember the exact question. No, that's, that,
0: you're right. I want to – first of all, that eliminating the conditions in which I'll act biblically, like yes. shut it down, take it home, guys. That is – no offense to the other guys. That's – I'm going to walk away thinking that yes. and, and and meditating on that today. But to give a little bit of redemption to shepherding a child's heart, that's one of the things that he talks about there is – does his, if you make the line for correction or addressing an issue just when it irritates you enough, then all you've taught them is to base their morality off of what bothers other people instead of something that's fixed. And we train them. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And then you're like, why'd you do that? And you're like, well, you didn't say anything the first time. Like I didn't know it was a problem last time I did that. If so, maybe you should have said it. And that's, that's the tension there and the confusion we bake into them because they're like, If I can't be consistent, um, then how do I help them to be consistent, like you said, and always base my actions not on what's going on around me in the situational, but on what God would call me to do in that moment, you know? Um, What about you, Ronnie?
2: Well, Michael, both of them have said it, uh, but it's about waiting until it gets up to here. Um, It's too late, as far as I'm concerned. You've got to start. Uh, early on, and you got to keep be consistent in things. So uh, that's what I found again. Presence was it's an important word in my vocabulary, yeah. It's setting the stage for things before it gets to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's that's probably the most important. Piece.
0: Yeah, I'll attest. Uh, I'm let, actually let me ask you one thing. What yeah. was
2: the last one? the, I think last, the last one, one I, I was oh,
0: your reputation.
2: Yes, that one. Um,
0: I don't have one of those, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs>
2: You know, and and I think we didn't have these real concerns, but, you know, it's like that out in public versus private thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, out in public, it tarnishes your reputation, and there's still a child or a student or a person, a person there, uh, an image bearer of the Lord that you've got to be concerned about. So it's not about me, it's about the Lord, and through the Lord, it's about you. And, right and that was a big one for me to, to think about that last one there
0: reputation my uh my big one is i think what i act most in is the is the reasoning the long useless talks um <laughs> i swear because I, I have it's been quite a while i think since uh i've i've spanked my kiddos and uh i'll take away some privileges and things like that um but, man, I swear there's times when I'm talking and it's like half an hour and they're just looking at me just, please, just beat me. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> please. Yes, yes. Please, can you, just, can you just spank me and we get can all go over. about our day because this is torture. Uh, it's, like, it's like Chinese water torture. <laughs> um Yeah. I, uh, yeah I, that is my tendency because, man, if I can just reason with yeah. you. But the, that's the other thing. You know, sometimes, man, sin refuses to be reasoned with. And we need to realize that, like, we're dealing not – it is – is. I think we get out of balance in our parenting when we chalk it all up to trauma or chalk it all up to reason or chalk it all up to, yeah, right. uh, you know, a malicious motive and not realize, like, just like us, they are a complex mixture of yes. all of those things. They have needs. which They were hungry, but they also felt – infringed upon and and had a sinful response that wasn't regulated well because of their hunger or contributed to by their hunger and they also snapped at you in a way that was partly sinful and partly the fact that they didn't understand something it's just complex like that's the that's the nature of the beast and if our i think if our parenting and our discipline specifically is too monotone Two, one size fits all, all you have is a hammer. So everything's a nail. That's when you're going to get out of balance and, and probably out of bounds and just be ineffective. Honestly. yeah,
1: That's a good reminder. Cause it kind of plays into what Michael said. You have those little moments, right? And then you have some bigger ones that do need some of those little bit longer discussions. Um, I probably have had too many times. They're kind of somewhere in between that, right? Stop it. And, and yeah. 30 minute discussion. But for me, um, and even, especially for younger kids, but even as they get older, even a five-minute discussion or a two-minute discussion can be too long. You know, so mm-hmm. sometimes maybe just think about, like we've got some little short phrases, like, "Hey, you know, if I say, you know, no hurts, then you're not going to go hit your brother." Or I say this, you know, we know yeah. we're on the same page. Just so it's something quick, but it's one of those consistent messages, kind of to what Ronnie said. This is what we're about as a family, or this is what we're working on right now. This is what we're going to pay some attention to but just something quick so it's a quick reminder for them it's easy you got it and it's not a it's not an ongoing you know this long discussion cuz I can see that with the kids too as like it's like wait a minute you you can sit there for 20 minutes with so and so saying what you doing nothing what you doing nothing okay what you doing now nothing and that's yeah. okay but if i get past like 20 second mark i can see them kind of shutting down Sometimes some of them, some of those things just do need to be quick. Like, let's work on some things that yeah. are just super quick. You you get the point, and we're done. And that and that's all it has to be. Just a kind of a quick reset. Yeah.
0: Um, one thing you did say, though, Mike, that I, I was thinking I do this. My wife and I do this, but I've never done this with my kids, and I probably need to start implementing it. Um, statistically speaking, there's just scientific studies showing this. Like, conflict resolution happens better when you're walking than when you're sitting still. There is something about instead of we're stuck here together looking at each other too, we're we're making progress. We're walking someplace together uh, psychologically that that does things. And so when my wife and I, we don't have big fights really, but if we get to a point where we feel kind of stuck or like we're kind of talking past each other and not seeing each other's perspective well, which we've grown in over over the, the days of marriage, um, it's helpful for us to be like, all right, our neighborhood is a loop. Like we have a single loop that is our neighborhood. It's, it's about... Two-thirds, three-quarters of a mile. And we'll just walk. It's like, hey, let's go, let's go for a walk. Our kids are, are old enough now where we can just leave them and be like, all right, let's just, let's just walk around the loop one time. Let's just talk through this on a walk. And I think I need to start implementing that with my kids more. So like, right, let's just go do the loop or do the levy. Let's go someplace. Let's just get out of here and let's, let's uh, change our, our environment, you know? Um, so real quick, if yeah, I may, go. Make, to, to that, right, to you off of that.
3: I don't do well when I feel trapped and if you put me in a single place and we can't move and I can't gesticulate or I can't, I start my fight or flight really. And it's an observation I've noticed about myself. I really start to feel trapped. You put me outside in a big open area where we can move around a little bit, adjust my position, talk or whatever. It's a better experience for everybody. I'm just calmer,
0: right? Throw a ball.
3: I feel like I can breathe. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can do that. So. That's one. Two, um, and so the the fear thing in discipline is terrible. The other thing is what I would encourage you all, if you get around other people that make you feel like your kids are crappy, right, like their parenting is on par and you just feel terrible around them. Brian witnessed me do this years ago. Um, We were hanging out with a group of people. There's somebody that really was just down on my kids, and I just ruined their New Year's Eve. All I had to do was say, "Up, oh, that's it, give me this, we're done, oh, that's it, and that was your consequence. But I was they were older Christians, and man, I just so wanted to be in them to be okay with where we were as young. And we got in the car that night. When we left, I told my wife, I'm done. I'm done with this couple as people we spend time with. I'm done with everything. Our kids are the bad kids. Even if our kids were together doing stuff, they're the bad kids. Every single time, right? And I said... I do not wish to have this friendship anymore at all, and we did. And man, woo! All of a sudden, my wife and I got along better. We realized we fought when we were around them; that we felt judged all the time we were around them. And I was like, okay, I'm so <laughs> glad that ended. Uh, but but it, but I overparented my kids whenever I was around
0: them because you're trying to meet standards, to meet I'm that trying, reputation piece that Ronnie yeah, was talking about. And
3: so out of fear. Right and their disappointment. I was overparenting. Ellen was overparenting, and we'd leave everything like these dang kids. And it wasn't. It was those dang people, and and it was our dang fear of fear not man. measuring up. And so, just if you find yourself in that situation, man, that's not healthy for your kids. I don't care how much you like those people. Get away from them. Right. Just go. You, your kids are your priority, not those people. Right. Right. And, uh, and, and just that as an encouragement, we found that a couple of times where you gravitate to the answer people, you like them, right? They're easy. But if your kids just
0: can't ever measure up, man, run. Yeah. One last thing on this, on this point of instincts, um, a rule of thumb I tend to live by, whether it's with regard to my kids or my wife or anybody, um, I like to know my instincts and know myself well and know that I'm probably out of balance in that direction and know to push off of that and lean in the other direction. So if my tendency is to fly off the handle, then I need to know that's probably my tendency. And so if I'm going to stop and think about this for a minute, like if I have the time and self-control to think about it, push away from anger because they're going to get enough of that as just like law of averages type stuff, right? If my tendency tends to be to let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go, then... If I stop to think about it, let me make sure I get intentional about it in this moment because I probably won't next time because I just know myself. I think that just healthy understanding of who you are as a human being and your, your tendencies, your imbalances, your weaknesses helps you to parent if you're just aware of them and you just take them into consideration with how you respond to things. Um, I wanna, before we do a and A. I I want to talk about this pyramid of, of discipline he's got and these, uh, you know, where we get into the habits portion of this. Um, he 's got this bedrock of loving authority, just the habit of establishing that, and then he 's got these kind of five kind of uh, what's i 'm looking for concurrent pyramid elements here of pausing, praying, practicing good body language, understanding, and applying consequences, and then he gets to confession and reconciliation, which is the goal and I love that kind of what y'all were talking about. the goal is I want to walk out of here. We have to do life with each other when we walk out of this room or when we're done walking around the block or whatever we're doing. How do we get to that goal? And starting with that, with knowing the route right foundation and knowing the right goal I think helps us with a lot, some of the other habits. Which of these other habits, and I'm kind of really looking at those middle five, but maybe even the other ones too. Would you say you've done an especially good job as a dad at – and which ones would you say are hard for you?
2: Um, Loving authority. Uh, that's the one thing that I – probably because of the situation, knowing that there was no man in their lives, right. I wanted that whole love thing. And, and I, that's just the way I approached it. I've got to make sure that they understand that I love them. Yeah. Uh, when the Lord gave them to me, um, I remember the, the laughter I had. Um, that's not just one woman, that's three women. And, yeah. you know, it was like, the Lord's paying me back for some of the crap I did <laughs> in the past, or something. So that's the way I look. You, like, you at. like women, Ronnie? <laughs> Here's here you, three. Here you here go. Here's three. But uh, I just, you know, the hugs, the the kisses, the all that. Yeah, that that loving authority piece was there. But what I got out of that was that whole reconciliation piece. I don't know. I could probably count if I think back hard enough, maybe two, or, one or two times, but did I carry the reconciliation piece through? And what I mean is you can express disappointment, you can discipline or whatever, but did I carry that part through? Because that part's important, or did I just let it kind of sort of slide in uh, default uh, reconciliation? Right. Uh, If I'm talking to you now, and I haven't talked to you in the last three hours, then everything's okay now. So that was a piece for me.
1: Yeah, Thinking about the successfully part is a hard one for me because I think I'm kind of more. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I maybe I think I maybe reframe that a little bit, but I think kind of one thing that came to my mind of one of the areas where I think kind of saw the most benefit was um, when we came to the realization that there's a a lot of value in um, you know he talked about having kids apologize and stuff, but we found a lot of value in, in going to them and say I've blown it, you know this wasn't about you. This was my sin. And I'm asking you to forgive me. Um, those moments for us have been good with, with the kids in terms of just, I think hopefully modeling for them in a way that look, right. I, I still need this too. This isn't just about me correct and trying to fix you. God's still trying to fix me. And I think hopefully it kind of helps make this a little bit more relatable for them to help them understand what we're talking about in that discipleship right. process, right? That God's still working on me. Um, so I think those times have been, you know, when I've been able to, to be humble enough and do that, we have seen, you know, benefits with the kids. Um, I would say the, the hardest for me what I'm trying to t- kind of work through with, um, the Lord's help the most now is the, this to pause and pray kind of hand in hand. Right. Um, because where I, I find myself with the most difficulty is when I react kind of like Mike was talking about, and I don't take the time to stop and okay, let me kind of get myself out of the fight or flight and the reaction that I want to have yes. because Sorry. of that offense that you just did against me that I was talking about earlier. Um, let me kind of get myself right. And, and Lord, you know, even where I think I've got it right, I probably don't. So can you kind of help adjust my heart before we go into this thing and get get me in the right place so that I can help get them in the right place. So that kind of, I appreciate when he said in the book, like sometimes that little pause is more for me than it is for them. I think for me, sometimes that's true. If I can slow myself down a little bit and, and pause, then, then hopefully that kind of leads to a better, better result in the end. Yeah. That part he talks about, about
0: like, remind me that I am also this way often. Like right. my child is, is upset because he's not getting what he wants. Remind me that I'm that way too. Um, right. That was good. Again, just, the realization that, like, on the scale of, of morality or godliness, if God's here and my kid is here, I might be here, right? Like, God is so other than me and my kid. And I am way more like my kid only with years of practicing either genuinely controlling it or masking it. Uh, but inside, I look so much like them um, and so – much need to grow in looking like God. I think that helpful is just like, all right, this is a you, not against us, but if we drew the lines about similarity, it's God and it's us. How do we walk together in this? You know, And even sometimes when you're correcting kids, saying, hey, I have a hard time with this too. Even if it's not like something you've sinned against them, just be like, man, I know what this is like. You're envious of your friend who's got this. I'm envious of my friends who have more stuff than I have. Um, and it doesn't trust God or whatever you, wherever you go with that, but you know, whatever it is, but just real, helping them to see, you know what, man, we're, we're in the same boat. You and I, yeah. we are, we are all in the same boat in the same Creek. And we are trying, uh, with the Lord's help to model ourselves after him and to grow in his image and his likeness. You know, yeah.
1: that's, that's really good. When, I think the key thing with the Lord's help, because sometimes it's one thing to recognize that and mm-hmm. see that in me. And uh, I don't know, but if you guys can relate to this or not, but sometimes if it, if the sin that I'm seeing right now in them is the same thing that I know is in me, then I don't know, sometimes it doesn't produce in me the compassion that it should. Sometimes it's like kind of a guilt, regret. It's like, I oh that. man, did I do that? <laughs> and um, what I'm trying to do better at is see the grace of God in these things, realizing he knows I'm not perfect, right? He knows this whole right. process um, and don't want us to get in a spot where we're just feeling so guilty that hey, I did. I mean, none of us are going to get all of this right, right? Um, but not put all of the weight on this, right? I mean, if if we didn't have the hope of Savior, none of us would be sitting in here in this room together talking about this stuff, right? We'd just be out there with the rest of the world trying to figure out what the latest book says and go do it, right? Um, but not to kind of carry the weight and the guilt of that and let that, you know, expand and enlarge my reaction to something, but but to help me see the grace of God and how he kind of reacts to, to me in that.
0: Yeah. But you guys, what, what of the habits have y'all seen? Sorry, we, we diverged from that topic for a second. Sorry, that was my fault.
1: So
3: I, so there's two Well, I would say improvement. I've mastered none, <clears throat> but the the pause mm-hmm. is something that I think my baby girl has helped me the most with. And actually Jacob too. So the, the front and the, and the back. <laughs> the book ends. They, Jake's most like me, just stumbling through life like loud, blah, 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 and getting in all kinds of trouble yeah. and stuff. And, and to, to come back to something, when you see that, and you know what happens with that, then fear takes over, and I disciplined out of fear with him. Oh, that's good. Which was terrible, terrible. I never wanted to be treated that way. But right. I figured I can drive this out of him. I can drive me out of my son. You can't. That's stupid. So, so that. But then the the the, the pause um, has been, and they've helped me, It is is the little one will go, Dad, you're hangry. Like, yeah, I, I can see it in you. You look drawn. You look whatever. And I'm like, I am. And she's like, you are. Because she gets that way. Mm-hmm. And so that's helpful to know. Yeah. Or Ellen will say, hey, babe, you got a lot going on work right now. Is this this or is this that? And I'm like, oh, this is that. You know, yeah. there's the pause. Acknowledging, where am I right now? as I'm about to, and I wish I did this better as I'm about to speak, as I'm about to exercise God-given authority, where am I? Right? Yeah. The same question God asks Adam and Eve, right? Where right. I now? Yeah. Oh, where am I now? Not in a good spot. So I don't need to be saying anything right now. Right? Yeah. Um, so the pause is helpful to the acknowledging that I'm like them. I had this conversation the other day. So Jacob's about to leave for the military. His life's dream, special forces, you got to have this level of everything, right? Well, he jumps off a box climbing with his friends and tweaks his knee a little, and now he thinks he might have a hernia from moving and doing stuff. So. so, man,
2: I just <laughs> tore <laughs> his butt up. I was like, here's your
3: life's dream. You're right here. I told you to just stay in the course, and this is what you're going to do. And you're going to be so mad at yourself afterwards when you don't achieve your dream because you won't listen. You won't do the thing you know you're supposed to do. Right. And so we're getting in it and he goes, Hey, Dad, this is all fear. You're afraid that I'm not going to get my dream. And I hear it for how you mean it. You love me and you're scared for me. Right. Right. Now that took years of him learning me. Right. And he goes, is that what you mean? And I said, yeah, I mean, it really doesn't affect me. I just want you to get
0: what you dreamed about. Right. I'm your parent. I carry your dreams, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he's
3: like, okay then let's leave it there, right? That's, you're, you're upset because of the circumstance. I made bad decisions, whatever. I get it. But are you actually mad at me? I was like, no. And he goes, okay. But that's from years of me telling him, repenting to him and saying, hey, bud, I was scared when this happened. I was worried when this happened. I reacted this way when this happened, right? So that trained him to identify in me while I was trying to correct stuff in him you get worried about me, that's what it sounds like, sinfully. That's what it sounds like. Right.
0: But him seeing the kernel of care in your heart yeah, for exactly. him, I like that. Exactly. I have one kid and, uh, and I, who I see tendencies that are like some of mine. And I'll often, you know, when I see this kind of almost like what you might call narcissistic, like just like almost forgets that anybody else exists in the world, you know, almost like they're playing like a, a video game and everything else, which is like an NPC around them in a mm-hmm. game. They're not actually like... They're the, only, they're the main character. Yeah. And me just – I mean, and they can finish the sentence. Like, if you keep doing this, if you keep living your life this way, how are you going to end up? Sad and lonely. I'm like, yeah, man, I don't want you to end up sad and lonely. I want you to be surrounded with people. And I'll say, like, you're going you're gonna to spend your life with the people you love. And if that's just you, then you're going to spend your life with just you. Um, but knowing that I went through – that was me in college when I didn't care about anybody else around me and I was just worried about myself and I I was sad and lonely. It's like, man, I've seen where this goes. And so not like not projecting all of that onto them, but just that cautionary tale of like, man, I've I've played this and I, I just love you too much to let you do this, you know?
1: Um, I think just one other subtle thing in there that made me think about when you said that, Michael, was just getting Kid's freedom to be able to ask a question this doesn't always have to be a disciplining moment it doesn't have to be a one way street like you yeah. know ask them to give them permission to ask you you know questions about you know does it have to be that way or or give them room to speak about what they were thinking what they were feeling um, just letting them feel heard um, because you know ideally you know we want to be connecting with them and that in the any kind of correction or discipline comes better with that connection and so that yeah you know, giving them voice, letting them kind of say what they need to say and have the freedom to that, Um, and them knowing that you're going to listen to them, that you really do want to hear what they have to say helps, and so some of that other stuff, like to give me your eyes, your eye contact, and sometimes for little kids, that might mean getting down on your knees kind of at their level, so, you know, I'm a little guy, I don't really think about, like, I'm this big imposing figure, but if you put a two-year-old in that scenario, it's like, well, all of a sudden, this little guy that's I mean, five, six, five, seven with his shoes on, does kind of look big to a to yeah. a, a tiny kid. So just some of those things to keep in mind um, to kind of help give them voice and kind of help them connect with you a little bit. I will say that
0: is one one of the habits that I would say that I've consistently have done well is the body language piece. It's yeah. the I, I would say that 99% of the time when I correct my kids, I'm on the ground. Yeah. Uh, I want to be eye level with them. I want to be able to look at them. I want to be able to see them well. Uh, sometimes they're sitting with me. Sometimes they're standing. But I want us to be right there. We're the same height, or they're standing and I'm crouched down looking up at them. Like I, I don't want this to be a you're, you're obeying because you're afraid of me. I want you to obey because you know that I love you, and you're afraid of the consequences. You know. But I don't want you. I don't want you just doing what I tell you to do because you're afraid that this big guy. And again, I'm shorter than Brian is. Um, is you know. But again, if I'm a kid, I'm coming up to my you know mid thigh. It's like that's a, that's a scary person to look up to um who also lets you live in their house and controls how much food you have and all these things like i you're a scary person in some ways it's like the fear of the lord thing like you know it's like man you control my existence right now and i don't want you obeying out of a manipulative spirit from me where i'm towering over you and opposing right. myself i want you to know i'm like i'm with you here it's that same that
1: body language piece yeah and one of the things i like about this book in general is just some of those habit things like so that's you know, just kind of an easy habit thing. If we can kind of train ourselves to kind of pause and think about that and remember yeah. that, when we're dealing with the kids, it's just it's an it's an easy habit. It's not a super spiritual thing, no. but let's just sit down on the floor and do it, and these things kind and of it, go it, a little bit easier. And hopefully, over time, we don't really even think about like why we're doing it. it. Just it just kind of works. But it makes it gives you a framework for everything else to kind of work properly. It's now the norm for
0: me too. So like, if I'm talking to my kid, I'm standing up and they're sitting down, I feel weird. Like I feel like I have to sit down almost because it's just, it's just habit. It's become a habit. Now, when Evangeline's taller than me in a couple years, it's going to be a little different. I'm not sure how we're going to deal with that. Maybe we'll just both stand up. But uh, I might make her sit down so she's not towering over me. Um, what about you, Ronnie? What habits? Uh, I know you mentioned the loving authority.
2: Um, yeah, I mentioned that one because um, it's always been an important one for me. Um, but also the... You know i do the reconciliation yeah. piece but i this would also ends. say the, the the pausing uh sometimes and i there's um, something called the intent impact gap okay we all have the greatest of intentions but our impact may not match right. up so there's that gap there and in order to close that gap we have to slow things down we have to use what is called system two thinking which is Is there any new information? It's not the regular off-the-cuff stuff uh, so that our intent can start matching our impact. And the whole thing is that eventually we'll get to the point where we consistently think that way because um, the average is you you probably spend more time in system one thinking, which is this type of thinking, and reactionary and things like that. That's 98% of our thinking on an average. Could be 70 for you, It could be 50 for me, could be 90 for you. But that other two percent—that's the one that we need. I believe that that's an absolute. Um, <laughs> the one we should be considering when we're uh, when we're thinking I'm about okay problems. with that
0: kind of absolute. Stopping and thinking about what you're doing, generally speaking, unless there's that's a kid I get, right. about to get hit by a car. Like those are the absolutes that you know. Um, I want to make a quick book recommendation. Then I want you guys to be able to ask some questions too. Um, so I've been asking lots of them. This book, "Childproof" by Julie Lowe. Um, Julie Lowe is a counselor and teacher of counselors um, with the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation (CCEF). Um, my wife got the chance to see her speak at a conference and said she was just the most refreshing and and just caring and insightful person she's heard talk. Your back hurts, yeah. The, we, yeah. Um, what I love. There you go. Body language. Good job, Mike. applying um what i love about julie's writing is this concept we've been talking about about there aren't necessarily absolutes and your kids are individuals and how do you parent not by some formula because you know we we hate the prosperity gospel where if you do these things you'll get these results right we decry that um but you see us do that in other areas. You saw that with a lot of the purity culture when I was in high school. Like if you walk in this way with regard to dating and sexuality, when you're married, married marriage is going to look like this. Oh, I do the things and God gives me what I earn. Uh, parenting. If you follow these steps, your kids will turn out great. It's like, man, that just ain't how it works. Um, and you, I can tell you because – and these guys – any of you who have multiple kids – I could do the same things with all of them and get very different <laughs> results, right? You, you mix, you mix two, like one chemical with three different chemicals, you'll get very different results. Um, what I love is how Julie takes into the, those things into account and gets into, like, really like little specific things. Not just, like, all right, so, you know, talking about parenting from, from faith and freedom instead of from, like, a formula or fear-based. Um, but then she talks about things like, you know, what do you do when rules are broken, and then questions like, "How do you parent a difficult child, an anxious child, a child with disabilities?" when your kid says i don 't know you ever had that before When your kid says, "I am bored," when your kid isn 't thankful, something 's really specific, like how do I get to the heart of what 's going on there so I just love her attention to the heart because uh, parenting is counseling. it really is. We are counselors in our home and 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 Julie is an expert at counseling and specifically counseling kids, which is a relatively In the biblical counseling world is relatively still on the vanguard of how do we do this well um and i think she just does it excellently she's great so i highly 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 recommend this book i will send it out in the email with links to buy it and whatnot
1: so um get it she's great
0: um any other who's got questions or i just
1: had one thing real quick and this may go out in the email as well but for any of you that are interested yeah. in more of the kind of trauma-related stuff, there were a couple of references in the chapter that he made to a couple of books that are really good, too. That uh, One of them is called The Whole Brain Child, and the other one is No Drama Discipline. So those are kind of some good resources, too. And there's another book called The Connected Child. Um, and there's now The Connected Parent. Oh, that's probably, you know, I haven't read that. But So anyway, maybe yeah. we'll get some of those resources out, too. But there's there's a lot of good yeah. stuff, and those deal more with just kind of what's going on in the brain, how some of those things work, some of those kind of things to help kind of get them in a spot physically to be able to react like we were talking about
0: earlier. Yeah, I'll say this uh, because I've read those books because of of foster parent training. I think that our culture has fallen in love with the words trauma and abuse and has probably inflated them too much. That said, um, there's nothing in those books that I've read that hasn't been helpful also with my kids who I would not call traumatized or abused as much as they may disagree on a given day. Um, <laughs> there are general principles of just treating a person like a person and understanding where they're coming from that are helpful. So, uh, yeah, I highly recommend those books as well. Um, I will send out links to these things. Um, uh, yeah, it's all... Yeah,
1: so I would say the combination of the two, like just that some of that understanding and treating people as people in that way is good. But I would say combine it with something like this that has a little bit more of a biblical slant to it. Because sometimes what those things don't take into account is, yeah, there is still sin at sin. play in this too. And so somehow as believers, we've got to figure out how to you know, yeah. kind of bring that into the mix. But it does help in terms of like, oh, here's some stuff I never thought about. As Augustine said, all truth is God's truth. So
0: there's nothing that's true in the world that scientists or psychologists or sociologists are going to figure out that is going to catch God by surprise, or is going to disagree with something that He baked into the world? The world operates, the world, the world operates the way that God wanted it to operate when He made it. Uh, obviously, sin corrupts that, but what is true is true, and God made it true. So, um, real quick, questions. Who's got questions? Um, anybody? I'm looking at Jim, but I'm not trying to single you out, Jim. You just happen to be right in front of me. Hold on, I'm going to give you this. <laughs> oh, shit!
4: All right, <laughs> uh, now you're recorded. <laughs> Like, so if I could recommend one thing, um, I really enjoyed this panel was awesome. You guys always had some phenomenal thoughts. And for me, I found like you would say something. I was like, Oh, 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 wait, wait. I want to ask you a question on that. And then it goes on to the next person. I forgot my question. I had so many awesome (laughs) questions throughout this thing that I completely forgot now. Um, and there's a book my wife and I have been reading off and on that as we were talking, um, it's, it's called sacred marriage Oh yeah, and so if you know it goes to the premise that if marriage as a relationship is assigned to make us holy and I wonder if parenting is, is the same thing us contending with our children and it's kind of cool listening to you guys who have older kids because my kids are 8 and 9 and I have no clue because they haven't been 8 and 9 before they've only mm-hmm. been this age yeah. And I don't know what to do because they're doing things they've never done before. And, you know, my son was always my biggest fan. And now he's <laughs> like, uh, you're dumb. I'm like, what? Wait, wait, no, no, I'm awesome, remember? I'm, <laughs> no. And it's so I'm weird awesome. kind of like because you don't know how to deal with these times. So listening to you have older kids is a lot better. I'm like, oh. It might actually get better, like with your son, who looks back on reference points, which means I mean I need a lot better reference points. Seriously, I need to do a lot more intentionality. So I'm learning more about the intentionality of parenting versus just the lumbering through it and really hoping in like 10 years they forget the bad stuff I did and only think of the good stuff that I did. You know, so yeah, it's 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 been a phenomenal. Um, um, Gary Thomas,
0: who wrote Sacred Marriage, does have a book on parenting. It's on yeah. Sacred Parenting. And it's similar to sacred sorry. Similar to Sacred Marriage. Um they turn Brian's mic way up because he's quiet. That's hilarious. Um it really is my At least well he you held it by your face, unlike these guys. Um yeah, but uh Mike's a gesticulator. Um but it is it is much more in the vein of kind of like some of the stuff that Justin gets to here, which is what if parenting is not just about disciplining our kids, but what if it's a model a, a means of God discipling us? And I I think you're you're right on there.
4: Yeah, I might I might have to get that book. Right other questions anybody are y'all to out Joshua
5: ridiculous yeah. so um in discussion of everything that y'all are mentioning it sounds like there's a real balance we're trying to achieve between being someone that's like the leader of the household the authority and that kind of stuff but also not being like too prideful in yourself when you go to discipline because you're like you're you're reacting in this kind of instinctual way right so to me that's the real challenge all the time is that like how do i present myself as someone that's you know in charge and i'm a leader and i'm trying to um show this example at the same time not take things like personally you know um that it's you, you know like i'm like you're it's an affront to me as a dad or um you know i feel i feel upset emotionally because of like the challenges that we're going through with the kids at the time and stuff like that how do you um how do you come back to that you know i guess like the pause thing would be kind of a, a, a you know where you would enact that kind of thing as far as you know, saying like I'm, I'm trying to be the leader here. At the same time, not feel because okay, as an example, like when I think about my dad, when we talk about disciplining and stuff, he was a belt guy, and like when I look back, I'm like, I don't know that I didn't like respect him for that. You know, like I kind of hated him for that as I as I became an adolescent, you know, and I, I don't it, so like I want to avoid that obviously because I feel like he was doing that as a way to enact the revenge also because he felt like insulted you know that we weren't respecting him so like i'm just curious like how do y'all um parse that from leader also but not taking it like personally and feeling you know affronted like maybe i should stay away from that because
1: that was the one that i had the hardest trouble with it the one that was the hardest for me um but i'm right there with you um and Michael can probably relate to this raising a couple of boys that are older than than my son, but somehow it kind of seems different for me with him because it's kind of a different level. Um, there's this thing in us as men that wants to kind of grow and find our independence and and kind of you know do our own thing, but um, when you were saying that, this is scripture popped into my mind where um, you know the centurion comes to Jesus and he says, "Will you heal my son?" And he's like. No, 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 Don't come under my roof. Like I'm a man under authority and I have men under authority, you know, under me. Um, and so just what I hope to be able to do better is to just say, look, I know this feels like it might feel like to you, you know, I'm this authority over you, and I am, but understand this is a God given perspective. So if, if I can take myself out of that and the, the pride in me that wants to be in authority over him and, and, kind of take myself out of that and put it more back into a biblical perspective. Uh, Like Nick said, nothing in the world is outside of the way God designed it. And part of that design is for you to have, you know, father and authority over you. I'm not going to get it right. Every time I was sitting down recently with Aaron Vogel, having a parenting discussion. He's like, sometimes we just need to tell him, look, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. You know, it's harder than work. It's harder than all this stuff, this trying to figure out how to parent and do it the right way. Is the the hardest thing that I've ever had to try and and navigate and figure out, and I'm not going to get it right all the time, but just you know know that that I love you, and and this is what we're we're working towards, and we're gonna kind of like Nick said, we're kind of walking this together, so I, I you know I am an authority, but I'm not doing the trying to not do that in a way to to lord it over you, you know the scripture tells us not to do, um, but man. It, so what I'm hoping in terms of how to actually do that is is to spend more time in that kind of pause and prayer stage. But I can't tell you I've got it figured out because that's, like I said, I think that's a big part of what, you know, God's doing in me and I'm wrestling with right now.
2: Nick brought up the perspective of where the Lord is and where we are and they are and they're here and we're right here. I think that's that's a piece that's important is... Uh, always conveying that that you're on this road too you're on this journey too and um you know this is a this is not about me in the prideful sense but you know i'm learning this and i'm learning from the lord on this as you move around, as we both move through this but i think that piece is where god is where we are and we meaning all of us and i'm just you know a, a little bit of a rung above you maybe if you want to put it that way but that's what I would do. And the pause does help. Did you have anything?
3: Yeah, no. The, I, so, I mean, reminding them of, of the biblical truth, yeah. right? Like when they're little, you do the ABC Bible verses, right? And you can just tell them. I mean, I can still remember them all today. I think almost all of them. And just reminding them of this. But then being real and saying anecdotally, you know, when I did that one time, oh, my dad was so disappointed. Or I did this and my friend was so hurt. Or I did this and I broke trust. Or do you remember when somebody did this to you? How did you feel? You know, when I moved from, and again, still doing this, right? Because I'm a big declarative statement guy. When I moved to asking questions about their experience or what they observed in me, the consequences of my actions, either relating to my wife or another kid or somebody else or at work, a story I told, where I did something. And then this is how I was perceived, seen, how I felt, did whatever. You can see them. They're kind of like, oh. You get you get what I just did. I, I do, I get it, right? But if I'm busy and I just wanna deal with the thing, there's no empathy there, and they're like, yeah, hey, whatever, dude, <laughs> yeah. oh, yell at me again, okay? You know, I mean, right. just, that, that's, what, that's what I would get, right? Yeah, you, you should yell at me again, go ahead, right? And you get nowhere. And you hurry actually, up and yell at and me. And you <laughs> put a brick on the wall, right? Another brick. So I think just, just you know, the pause is this. What do I have that's relatable to you? Yeah, I gotta bring the gospel always, right? But what do I have practically for you that's going to touch your heart, right? If you have it. Right. And then you probably do. You've been through life, right? And relating that to them and asking, God, can you imagine what that felt like when you did that, said that? I, I mean, I remember this, is what they told me. That, to me, has been the actual, they go off, right? Particularly as they get older, and they come back. And they're like, hey. And then you have the real conversation. So the conversation before the conversation is relatability. What comes afterwards when the Holy Spirit's active and working in them is come back. And if they don't come back, then you got to go up to their room or whatever, right? And go sit down with them. I hate to think about what we talked about or whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, the, the idea that, like, as kids, they're not going to run into any problem that we haven't run into in some flavor it's like you know when something breaks you can youtube it and figure out how to fix it because somebody else has had this problem hundreds of people if not thousands and at least one of them has made a youtube video fixing it, or at least answered a question on a forum back in 2006 um we have none of us are the absolute vanguard right and so i think the leader element here um i again i want all this bathed in scripture because like mike said where there's no vision, the people perish. That's the verse you were looking for, right? Or they cast off restraint. Us having an idea of where our family is going, us being, which is looking more like Jesus and loving Him and loving His people. Like that's the end goal um, for the all that were here for the um, for dinner and discipleship. When I talked about planning, like my wife and I having a life plan helps in that we can be the leaders and we can impart. We can, we can show enough of that plan to our kids for them to get an idea of where we're going as a team. And that team element, like I said, is big for us. So we're all going someplace. I'm the leader. I'm not your boss. I mean, I get to tell you what to do because I'm your leader. But I'm not sitting here barking orders at you because I'm separate from this process. I am walking the path of sanctification with you. I'm a little ahead of you right now because I'm older than you. Um, but, man, I'm trying to get you caught up with me as much as possible. I, right now, I'm 30 years ahead, 31 years ahead of Evangeline. But, man, I hope – there's times I had this conversation with Atticus recently, and I was like, man, I am so glad that you're figuring – it was about, like, time management stuff and, like, how to – I was like, I didn't get this stuff together until I was, like, 40, dude. If you can get this figured out when you're 15, he's nine now. Like, man – like you're going to be so far ahead of where I was like, and that's what I want for you. Like I want to be your leader, but eventually I want, I want you to kind of ride, um, the draft and then zip past me. Like, that's what I'd love to see for you. I want to see you grow. I want to see you flourish. I want to see you in the paths that God has for you. And I want you to follow my leadership and learn from my stupidity. So you don't have to do that and go over those hurdles again. You know, that's, it. that's the leadership piece. I think that's huge. Any other
2: questions? One more comment on that. Um, we're talking about discipline. you got to catch your kids doing something right. Yeah. you got to spend time paying attention to when your kids are doing something right, and you got to acknowledge that and you got to celebrate that. I think that's important to the process, yeah. too.
1: For me, it was. Yeah, that, that is a big point. That's an area where Terry's trying to helped me to, to recognize even just little things. I mean, it doesn't have to be something big. Um, like we were talking about something the other day, even as much as a kid just not having a, a bad reaction to, to a no or something that they were you know really wanted to do. And, and just for whatever the reason was, it, it's not something that, that you could do at that point. Maybe you just couldn't make it happen. Um, but even something as little as that, just a, okay, Mom, okay, Dad, that was fine. Just acknowledging some of those things, because I think um, celebrating some of those things, letting them know that you see the good things too and you're not just the correction guy, um, helps a lot and another kind of related thing if if some stuff like isn't a big deal if it's just a matter of preference for you or you don't feel like doing it just try and be aware because i tend to be probably more of a no guy than i should just because that's kind of the way i grew up and just defaulted and didn't really think it through but if it's just a matter of you say a no just because you're inconvenienced by it you don't feel like it Think about where you can give them some more yeses because that helps with that connection factor and that, hey, I'm in this with you. I'm just, you know, trying to – a little bit ahead of you. I love his analogy of I want you to draft off of me until you can kind of, you know, shoot past me. Um, Those little yeses and the things where they say, all right, he's he's getting – he's trying to to kind of give me some some of those things that I want. I think all of those little things along the way can kind of help to, to build some of that relationship that you're looking for.
0: You know, everything happened where you're like, because I've done this. Where you're like, they ask for something, you're like, no, I'm sorry, I, you know, we can't really do that. Uh, and they and they take it well, and they're like, you're like, man, it's like that was a really good reaction to that no. And they're like, does that mean I can do it now? It's like, no, I know. still no. <laughs> I can't still no. That's still a no. But That was
2: cool. That was cool.
0: No, that's exactly right. Catch it, because remember, we are. You want you want some weight on you here. We're their picture of their heavenly father that they've got, you know, that is, and man, do you want to paint a picture of them as a God that is constantly scolding, that is constantly finding fault and needling and nitpicking and never celebrating growth and never celebrating, like never delighting. Um, we have a very narrow picture of God we give him if we do that, um, and, man, I don't want to be responsible for that, you know. I'm never going to look exactly like God, but I'm, I'm going to strive to interact with them how I want my father to interact with me,
3: you know. And by way of encouragement, um, if I tell my boys I'm proud of them now and they're 23 and 21, they always say thank you, which shows you how infrequent that probably <laughs> was because my – my thing was always, I expect excellence. If I hire you to do a job, I expect excellence. If you fall short, that's when you're going to hear from me. If you do a good job, well, hell, that's what I paid you for. right? I mean, Leave I, yourself
0: I, room to be pleasantly surprised. Right, right,
3: right. No doubt about it, right? I, if I hired you, I did this, I'm willing to pay, right? I'm willing to do this, but I expect it to be just like I said it was going to be. And I didn't realize that I transported that into parenting and marriage, which was really fun for everybody. Um, <laughs> the, but, but, you know, with, with that, the... When the praise is normalized, when it when it when they expect the praise, then when the correction comes, it's so abrupt, it's so different. But I know they know you're for them because you've been encouraging, and so it comes in. The, you know, you're usually encouraging, coach, and now you're telling me I need to adjust something. I guess that means something really needs to get adjusted.
0: Versus if all they ever hear is correction. Right. All they, hear is correct, they
3: just, it's Charlie Brown's team. Yeah. yeah. And then so we had something with a kid the other day where I, I point out to one of my kids. I said, I want you to notice something. When it comes time to volunteer for something, this one always says, I'll do it. And you always say they can do it. Right? And, of course, it was – And so, <laughs> so I said, no, no, listen, I'm not down on you. This is just an unattractive trait. I, I want you to pay attention that there's a boss will notice this. A mm-hmm. coach will notice this. A prospective p- spouse will notice this. Yeah. Your kids will notice this. Like, this is something I feel is a fundamental thing that needs to change. Right? You it. Okay. Well, I don't want to talk about it anymore. You told me about it. So thank God the first, like right after this talk, I hear you. Okay. Something happened. And this kid walks up, who's like five feet from the garbage can. I had my hand full of something like, can you just put that away for me? I my hand in the middle, And I just looked and they went, oh, fine. And I went, and I said, but you caught it. But yeah. I caught it. There you go. Good. You said you weren't going to bring it up all the time. So then it started again. Then last night it was a, a, a fail, right? It was a, 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 that one can do it. And I said, did you just hear what came out of your mouth? This, listen to what you just said. Like, stop, pause. What did you just say? You said you weren't going to bring it up again.
0: Like, you brought it up again. And the whole
3: I'm thing for me is realizing that back in the day, I was expecting them to be grateful for my coaching or parenting, too. And right. I'd get aggravated when they weren't like, oh, you're right, and that was great advice, and whatever. That's never going to happen. That will happen when they when they have kids, right? But the, the, but the big thing is, yeah, I mean, if you correct it, the minute they do it right, praise it, put water on it, fertilize it, right? Yeah. So that, that'll that grow. But that, that's a
0: big, big thing that I think we didn't talk about enough, yeah. I've got one that has a tendency to correct the others. And when I watch them catch it, they'll start and then catch it. Uh-huh. I'm like, good job. Yeah. Because you're, you, I still saw it, so it's there, yeah. but we're working. We're, there's a growth. It may always
3: be there, right? You well, can't I – mean, yeah.
0: I had this conversation with somebody about just – discipleship in general as as believers, um, be careful correcting anybody in a snapshot moment where you see, I use the example of Pete. For those of you who didn't know Pete 10 years ago, 15 years ago, Pete's old polo shirts are being used as tents by family in Uganda where Ronnie's brother's missionary. Pete was enormous. And if you saw Pete and were like, that guy's a little Little doughy, whatever. Like you don't realize the growth in this man's life that he has shown growth in this area. Um, Be careful with your kids, uh, with your brothers and sisters in Christ, with your spouse. Um, Be careful in the moments of I saw you do this thing. It's like you don't know how like how much they're fighting that thing again. Like take take film strips.
1: Don't take snapshots of people's lives, especially your kids. That's really good because you don't only want to celebrate and encourage them in the end product, right? Because it takes us a while to get where we want to be, and the same is true for them. And so I can fall into that. as like, all right, well, they still didn't do it right versus, okay, that's like way better than, than they've done it before. So let's celebrate the progress. So that was really good. It is the fruit of
0: the Spirit, and it grows. Okay. It is. It grows, and we are watching it grow and celebrate. Like I'm, we get so excited when our satsuma tree flowers, and then you see the little bitty satsumas start. They're like this big. Like, oh, look at them. And yes, some of them are going to fall off, but you get so excited. And then you see them bigger, and you're like, oh, look, that one's starting to turn a little orange. And you know, those moments
4: of just excitement, like celebrate those with your kids.
0: You know. Any other questions?
4: Yeah. One really quick question. Yeah. Um, Right, so this has been happening lately. This is an actual dad question, parenting question. I need advice. Sure. So for some reason, I'm working from home. My wife had heart surgery. Um, she had a triple bypass. So she's at home. She's not always feeling like doing much with the kids. And at night, they've recently – so we told my son, okay, look, if you get scared at night when you're laying down, you can come and lay in bed with me. Because my wife is sleeping in one bed, and I'm sleeping in this bed in the guest room. Because she needs to sleep in a certain way. She needs to sleep propped up, and I don't sleep propped up and everything else. So, one night was fine. My son came in, and laid down. The second night, my son started to come in. My daughter woke up. Wait, where are you going? Why are you going there? We're all going to go into dad's bed. <laughs> I don't mind one child in my bed because I can basically sleep through that one child slipping in there two kids well now you have to have one kid on each side of you i sleep with a fan in my face so i can't have the fan in my face now because kids here kids there i'm here not in the middle child right now. i don't want to deter this because i want them to feel like they're safe with us and they're secure with us yeah. but darn it i need some more sleep because so i got so little sleep last night because my son will get up and my daughter starts screaming, "Where are you going? You can't go to Dad's room. You're not scared yet." And everything else, is just insane. How do I correct this? This feels like the sleepy directed.
0: time episode of Bluey. There's a Bluey episode for everything. It's the Bluey sleepy time episode. What if you get them to both come in on the same side of you, and then you like sneaky roll out and then go lay in their bed? Is that doable? I mean, it's crazy, but I just this is pure. This is not parenting. This is just.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would have to basically wake up and be far too cognizant and aware. But then once I'm without awake, I might not fall asleep again That's for true. a while. Because it's hard for me to fall asleep anyway. I'm not like an easy sleeper. My wife will like lay down and boom. when she has Do you know why
0: they're coming to bed? Is it?
4: I think... From what I've been surmising, and I've been praying about this, I think and I told my wife, so, you know, I think we need to take each of them ourselves and spend some time with them because we've all been spending time as a family. My wife was in the hospital ever since she got out of the hospital. We've been spending time together, and it's not really good time. It's just we're together, and we're busy. Because mm-hmm. I can tell you, with the garbage that's been happening, but I won't. But we've been really busy. Sure. So there hasn't been a lot of quality, but there's been a lot of quantity. So I'm like, well, why don't we take I'll take the boy and you take the girl and we'll all just go and spend a day together just doing something that they like with just one of us Mm -hmm. because they seem to be trying to pick one of us and say, okay, I want to, I want to hang out with you and I want to, or I want to hang out with you. And I think it's just because there's no special time. There's a lot of time.
0: Yeah. But it's a wash. Yeah. Thoughts guys?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think with mom getting sick or whatever, right, uh, I, there's a lot of uncertainty injected into their life, right? Yeah. There's a big change. And so you're their big, safe, yeah. right, healthy guy, and just know, dad smells good, dad whatever, even though we don't smell good. But you know what I mean. We but smell like dad. It's dad smell, yeah, and it's, and it's close to you and all that stuff. But I think it would be important to just help them figure out, so it's not an irrational fear, Hey, pal, what what do you really, what's really going on? Like on the walks of, and I work from home now. I thought my time would be quality time. It's terrible. Mm -hmm. It's because I'm I'm home, but I'm not home. I'm home, but I get aggravated if you interrupt or play the piano when I'm on the phone or crank TV when I'm on the phone or just, just decide to open the office door and have dogs barking or whatever, you know. And so it's not good time. So making that time to play volleyball within that. Right, making that time to be intentional, driving Naomi to tennis, making that time to say, "Hey, you know, even if you don't want to go for a walk, we're going for a walk." So am, I take, am I taking your kids too now? Hey, you want them? Um but but I'm saying like the the so two, two things, right? One, the special time is so important. But I used to live for vacations, thinking that would be enough. It's actually the day to day stuff, right, by way of encouragement. It really is the day to day. Five, ten minutes of doing whatever they want to do, this really makes them feel special. Two. What is the fear? Like, hey, pal, what are you really worried about? I mean, you keep ending up on my bed. I love you, right? Yeah. But tonight was taco night. You might want to sleep in. No, but, I mean, you know, but you you can be funny with them and joke with them. But, you know, what are you really worried about? Because I'm right here. I'm yeah. not going anywhere. I'm not sick. I'm not going. Mom's fine, right? She's here. Let's address the elephant in the room. Everything's fine, right?
4: Wow. That's, 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 that's really, really incredibly... Um, just deep and on point I, th- I think that they're, they're perhaps in some ways subconsciously mm-hmm. they are afraid my Absolutely. mom man yeah. yeah don't make me cry here okay yeah. I know yeah yeah and that, and,
3: and that look and the the only safety in that is that God has mom and God has me and God has you yeah remember the hairs on our head right he knows our days were fearfully and wonderfully made, right? And, yeah. and all that, and you point that to him because, man, you could be going in a car accident tomorrow, yeah. right? And all they have is Christ. And so yeah. so just kind of reaffirming that constant, that his underpinning, that his foundation is Christ, wow. right? Yeah. And that whether mom goes to go to me or whatever, right, we're praying, we're counting on God to do this, but whatever it is, this is your foundation, I would just encourage that. I mean, I think that, that would Damn. be the spend time, that your narrative should be that that's the constant coat that you're
4: putting on everything. That is deep. Man, thank For you. That, that made this whole day worthwhile. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It was all good.
0: Yeah, no, good. And yeah, and I would say, even just another thought in that regard, more practical. I'm not as deep as Mike is. Um, if you have a good air mattress or something like that, go spend a night in their room. Just be like, hey, I come to you. You have your beds. I'm right here. I'm right with you. Like, I'm, I'm by your side. Just not exactly literally. So I can sleep, and you can sleep, and we're all going to sleep better. But you know when you wake up, you can look over, and Dad's right there. Uh, that could be really helpful, too. There was
3: actually – I think Gary and Lisa might have given us a CD years ago. Somebody did, and I never returned it, but I never returned it. <laughs> uh, but there was I think he
0: loaned a, it to yeah. me, actually. I think I have it.
3: There was an old – Some old guy talking about parenting, right? He said, people say, I can't stand my kids. He said, well, train them till you like them, you know, and all that stuff. That guy. Well, one of the things he said is whenever there's a rift or something's wrong in the family or you don't feel close to your kids or whatever's going on, he said, having everybody sleep in the same room, like a big sleepover in the den or whatever, he goes, I don't know why this works,
0: but it works. That's good. You feel closer. Proximity makes people feel
3: closer. And he said, and we've done it for years and counseled families
0: and they do it. And for whatever, it just works. And I, I, I'm a big champion for read aloud. I love read aloud time. It's like one of my things. I just bought a book of like a book journal that we're going to go through and write all the things that we've read and rate them. We're just like really excited about it. But laying in that bed next to them, reading aloud to them until they fall asleep or until if they don't fall asleep, it's like, all right, we've hit a, hit a chapter point. And then just like, just transitioning that time I think that can be really beautiful for you guys, honestly. All right. We're going to wrap it up, guys. Let, I'm going to pray for us real quick before Ronnie goes. i got to make sure you prayed for or else I, I, yeah, I'm not responsible for you. Um, <laughs> Lord, thank you for these wise men. Thank you that you are the wise God who speaks truth into our lives. Lord, that all we're talking about here is the practical ways of implementing the truths of loving headship that you've placed us in in our families. Lord, help us to help our kids to know both those things, that we love them and that we lead them. Lord, we are honored and overwhelmed by the difficulty of this task. Task, Lord, we need you to do this well. We need to be parented by you. We need to be shaped by you. We need to walk in the fruit of the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and all the rest with our children. And we know that we can only do that as your spirit fills us and empowers us to do those things. Lord, I pray for these men as they go home to their families, Lord, that they can lead them well, they can shape them well, and that when moments of correction and redirection come up, Lord, that you would supernaturally give them grace and strength to handle those things in a way that brings fruit in their children's lives and fruit in their own lives. God, that is what we want more than anything else, Lord, so that you are most glorified because you are glorified by the fruit of our lives, Lord. So help us to grow that fruit and honor the gardener who is growing it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.